Welcome to the Whistle Way Podcast. My name is Kyle Whistle, your host with Whistle Realty Group and EXP Realty in San Diego. And I'm Brian Kochi, Director of Media here at Whistle Realty Group. The goal of the show is to give you the tools, techniques, and tactics to go out there and crush it in your business. The way that we like to do that is to answer the questions that you have for us. So if you have a question you'd like to have us answer on the show, you can always go to thewhistleway.com, thewhistleway.com. You can ask us questions on there, subscribe to the podcast, YouTube channel, our email list. Uh, also join our Facebook group and get dialed in with our Media Mayor Mastermind course, which is everything Brian and I have learned about videos, all put into a course to shortcut your learning curve so you can go out there and crush it with your videos like we have with our videos. And it's growing. It's growing. Uh, we literally put in probably four plus hours of content within the last month um, showing a full behind the scenes of everything we did. I think there's 21, 22 new lectures um, in the last month. So tons of new content there. So if you are subscribed, um, go ahead and check it out because there's new stuff in there. And if you're not, get on it. Yep. Because every month we will give you four videos to shoot. We'll give you an example of the video. We'll give you the outline, the basic script, everything. So you can go and shoot a ton of video in your market. Yep. Cool. If you enjoy the show today, if you're watching on YouTube, appreciate if you could give us a thumbs up and hit the subscribe button along with the little notification bell. And if you're listening on a podcast platform, if you can make sure to give us a review on said platform, that goes a really, really long way for us. Well, let's add some value. What's the question today? So the market is hot. The market is fire. The market has been hot growing steadily since 2008 uh 10 2010 yeah right, 2008 was a no good no good that was the dip but since 2010 been growing great so that's 11 years almost 11 years right long time um and for a lot of our listeners that's probably been going well for as long as they've been in real estate there's a lot of people who have never experienced a flat or down market so what i want to help prep them for is the flat and down market um, when the market corrects at some point, um, it will either flatten out or decrease. Um, hopefully we never see a crash like we did in 2008. Um, but at some point this market won't be as hot as it is now. Um, I kind of want to talk a little bit about what does that look like? Um, how do we prepare for it now? Um, and what are some strategies that agents can, when that happens, when they see the writing on the wall, what can they do to gain market share? Because it, it won't it won't be bad for everyone. It'll be good for some people, bad for a lot of people. So how do they kind of turn that corner? Cool. So I'll just answer like 62 questions in one. It's, this also, is great. Also, how are they going to see the writing on the wall for when that's going from a good market to flattening out or, or decreasing? 63. 63 questions. <laughs> yeah, all good. Um yeah, well, let, let's talk a little bit about actually identifying what's happening in the market um, because it's not an if, it's a when. There will always be corrections, and corrections are healthy. Uh, you cannot sustain. I mean, especially San Diego, I believe when I pulled the most recent stats, is up 27.1% year over year. That, that makes me happy as a homeowner. <laughs> <laughs> that is not sustainable. You cannot sustain 27.1% growth no. uh, year over year. That is not something that will work for the long term. It's it's very fun for a year. But That's we bonkers because I literally bought a year and a half ago. Yeah, good timing. You're welcome. Oh, I think you had a good agent. That's disgusting. 
I mean, not for uh, me. Well, it's why? great for me. Yeah, but you're killing it. That's crazy. Yeah, you got like <laughs> made over a hundred thousand dollars in the last year just because you own something. That doesn't suck. No. Yeah, and then you can sell it tax free and do whatever the hell you want with the money. Well, Welcome I'd, to real estate. I'd buy a house. I need to live in somewhere. Anyways, carry on. <laughs> All right, cool. So um, I think it's really important that you're paying attention to the trends. And one of the things, if you've ever watched any of our market update videos that we do on YouTube, you will uh, notice that we don't talk about the same things that the media talks about because the media is often talking about lagging indicators. Uh, the media typically talks about things like the number of homes that sold, the average list price to sale price ratio. They talk about the um, median sales price, things like that. But if you notice, everything is like sale price. They're all talking about what something sold for. The, the finalized transa transaction. Correct. Well, here's the thing. Uh, we are recording this episode. It is July 26th right now when we're recording this. And the most recent data that I have was released about two weeks ago by our board of realtors. And that data is factoring in what closed in the month of June. Well, what closed in the month of June went pending in either April or May. So, the, and this data that I have now is going to be the most recent data for another two weeks. So yep. I could be two weeks out. I could be like two weeks into the month of August and I'm looking at what actually happened back in like April or May. Mm -hmm. And that's me as a, a real estate professional. I'm getting the data as fast as anybody. The media does not get that data as fast as I get that data. The media tends to be delayed from there. So best case, the media is reporting in August what happened in April and May. And there's that lag time because it goes on the market, it gets an offer accepted, it goes, goes pending, does all the contingencies, and then it sells. We're not talking about sales of sneakers where someone can walk in, buy a sneaker, and leave. We're talking about a sale of a, of a house of hundreds of thousands of dollars that takes loans and contingencies and inspections. And so it takes a month or two or three from when the person puts it on the market. Correct. So we got to make sure we're not looking at that stuff that the media is reporting because the media doesn't even know it's as hot as it is, right? They're delayed on reporting what's actually happening. So you as a real estate professional need to report what's happening today, not what happened in April or May. So the things that we like to look at are some of the more easily attainable leading indicators because there's other leading indicators that it's hard to get data. Um, but the, the best leading indicators that you can get that are readily available are going to be things like the number of new listings that have come on the market in the last 30 days. That's very relevant. That's what came on the market in the last 30 days. We can also look at how many listings went pending in the last 30 days. But that is literally the last 30 days, not the last 30 days like three months ago. That's, that's what's happening today in the market. So inventory is one of the biggest drivers of price when it comes to real estate. I, my degree is in economics and I love watching charts and figuring out if this goes up, what happens to that? Does it go up or down? And traditionally as inventory goes down, price goes up. These two are naturally tied together. So the easiest indicator you can look at is number of new listings. Which is versus, the supply. Right. Supply of homes for sale. And you contrast that against the number of homes that went pending. That the went demand. off the market. How many homes went on the market? How many homes went off the market? 
if the number of homes coming on the market is smaller than the number of homes going off the market, that is called contraction or shrinkage of supply. So you have less supply of homes for sale. As that shrinks, prices increase. Mm -hmm. um, if you start to see that inventory grows, that will start to slow the rate of appreciation of homes. So that is the number one thing that I'm looking at I'm really paying attention to new listings, pendings, and naturally those two will tie in together to the months of inventory for sale. So I want to be looking at that in a stable market. You're typically seeing about four to maybe six months on the high end of uh, homes for sale. Right now in most markets, I know in San Diego, we're less than one month supply and the majority of the country is less than one month of supply. So that means that we have one quarter of normal inventory and we have normal inventories where we see prices kind of level off. We have one quarter of normal. So as of right now, it's still going to continue to go up at a very, very rapid pace. Um, but we'll be watching inventory, you know, a lot. I think that this is going to be a unique summer. It's not going to be like a traditional summer because you have the COVID factor. And now you have a COVID factor on the opposite end of it, where last summer nobody was going anywhere. So they were all trying to buy houses. This summer, everybody's traveling like crazy. So you're actually seeing it be a little bit slower. So you know, you can't always rely on historical data because traditionally July is one of the busiest months ever. And this July was actually a little slower in not only than last July, but the July before that when we were in a normal market. So I'm really paying attention to what's going on. Um, if you're not a statistician, you want somebody to help interpret this stuff for you, check out keepingcurrentmatters.com. Um, Steve Harney, Bill Harney, David Childers, those guys do an amazing job helping you to understand this stuff. So I strongly recommend you check out keepingcurrentmatters.com. Um, those guys are awesome. So not if only you're are not they super smart, they also make it really easy with charts, graphs, and they really break it down for you. Sometimes when you get into situations like these, um, you get statisticians talking about stats and you're like, I still don't get it. They do a great job with it. Yeah. So check those guys out. They'll help you a lot by actually not only telling you the stuff, but then they'll give you the the charts that you can use with your consumer and they'll give you infographics to make you look very educated. Um, they're gonna do a lot of the work for you. Sure, you're gonna pay some money. Yeah, believe it or not, if somebody does work for you, you gotta pay them money. That's how it works. That's how you get paid. Yes. <laughs> That's how, That's how I we get all paid. get paid, right? We do work, we get money. Yeah. They're gonna do work for you, so you don't have to, so therefore you're gonna pay them money. Deal with it. <laughs> Cool. All right. So that's the most important thing here is to follow the trends okay. um, and really pay attention to the leading indicators, what's happening in the market today. That's what I'm I'm keeping my finger on the pulse of. So we talked about inventory right now. We've been at under a month of inventory for probably over a year at least. No, it's like within the last six months, we've dipped under a year. Okay. But we were not under a year, six months prior. So once you see it double or triple... Because there's going to be ebbs and flows when you get into the holiday seasons, when you get into 4th of July, there's going to be ebbs and flows. But when you see it go two times or three times, that's when it gets statistically significant, talking about stats. Yeah, and the thing that you're going to notice is the media, once they finally do like catch on to if there is an adjustment in inventory, the media jumps on that and wants to report it like crazy. They want highs and lows. That's what the media likes. The last thing the media wants to do is be like, yep, yeah, home prices were pretty stable last month. That's not exciting. <laughs> That's not a headline. <laughs> yeah. They want it to be up a lot. They want it to be down a lot. So the second you see any kind of shift, it goes very quickly when the media jumps on it, right? Look at COVID, right? They, they could 
very much sway people in one direction or the other. They all report one thing to push you to do this or to that, or they want you to think a certain thing. That's just what the media does. Um, it's no different with real estate. As soon as you see inventory start to creep up, the media is going to be all over that. It, they're going to be like flies on poop. So um, just be conscious of that. And they, they add an accelerant to what's actually happening. But that's just the way it works. So how do you start positioning yourself? Um, my personal belief, I just bought a home this year. Um, so I still have a strong belief that we have a good amount of runway um, because, again, we're sitting at like a quarter of normal right now or less than a quarter of normal. So I'm very confident that we're going to continue to see solid appreciation. How much appreciation is going to be largely dependent on interest rates. If we can uh, sustain interest rates in the high twos, low threes, I think you're going to continue to see a really solid level of appreciation. If interest rates get up in around four or five percent, I think you could see it stall if not go down. Um, but I don't believe that's going to happen. Well, and not only did you just buy a home because you bought it because you want to live there. Yes, it's an investment, but it, it's also your your home. Yeah. Uh, I don't think you sold many, if, if any, of your rental properties either, uh, right? Yeah, so. I only sold my primary residence because I wanted my $500,000 of tax-free money. <laughs> Otherwise, I would not have sold. So you can probably put it into more real estate. <laughs> so I can buy more real estate, yes, sir. <laughs> uh, all right, so how do you start positioning yourself for this? Well, one, You've got to be the person who educates your clients. Um, you got to understand that your clients have this data, but they don't know how to interpret it. So your job is to interpret this data and put that message out there to help your clients um, and to use it to your advantage, right? Right now, we know we all want to work with sellers. Well, here's what happens. When you finally do start to see a shift, now the narrative starts to change because you can go back to all those buyers who kind of gave up because it was overly competitive. They couldn't get anything accepted. Everything was selling way over list. They got demoralized. When you start to see a shift, you let the buyers know, hey, there's there's opportunity now, right? That home that had 20 offers, you know, three months ago, there's actually no offers on the table for a home just like it. Maybe you want to jump back in the ring, right? So there's opportunity there to reel some of those buyers in that kind of had thrown in the towel or at least wanted to hit the pause button. Well, now it's time to reel them in, hit that play button. So there's that opportunity. Then there's the opportunity to go out there to the sellers that want to sell at a peak. That's what everybody wants to do, right? We all want to sell our home at the highest price possible. Um, are we going to peak and fall off a cliff like we did last time? No. Are there people that think we are? Absolutely. So have fun with that. <laughs> if that's what people's brains think, you let them know, hey, we're starting to see some early indicators of an inventory growth. If you're thinking about putting your home on the market to cash in, this could be a really good time because there's a little exercise that I learned. And if you're listening, you're not going to be able to see this, but if you're watching, you will. Um, but if somebody's like, well, I want to sell at the peak, say, okay, cool. Take a marker on a whiteboard and start drawing a line in a, you know, vertical or a diagonal upward direction from left to right, from left to right, and then start to come down. They cannot tell you when you've passed the peak until you start to come down. The only time you know you've peaked is when values decline. Well, what the problem is when values decline, it becomes harder to sell. So the key here is you only know you've hit a peak after you already passed it. When you're already past it, it's harder to sell. It's the easiest to sell when you hit the peak, right? As you're approaching the peak is when it's the best time to sell because Everybody wants a home and values are continuing to go up. As soon as the media jumps on the fact values are going down, now it's really hard to sell your house because nobody wants to buy because they think the market's going to crash. Yeah, so you're going to stop thing... seeing over-ask uh, like crazy, over-ask uh, 
offers on, on all the homes. Exactly. Yeah. So the best thing you can do is sell as close to the peak as you can before you hit it. Well, I think we're in that range right now. I don't know if we're six months, 12 months, 18 months, 24 months away, but we're close to that peak. We're very, very close to that. So as you start to see some of the early indicators of inventory growing, now it's your job to take that narrative and start educating your sellers. Hey, you know, if you've been thinking about selling, we're starting to see some early indicators of inventory growing, which could mean we're getting closer to a peak of the market. This could be a really good time for you to cash in on that equity that you have in your home. So you've got to control that narrative both with the buyer and you got to control that narrative with the seller. Um, other opportunities that'll present themselves in a market like this, uh, FISBOs will have trouble selling. So there's opportunity to go out there and pick up some of those FISBOs. For sale by owners. If you don't know that, you... Just... just yeah. We're getting all <laughs> range of people here. That's fine. If you don't know that, now you know. You want to know a, a fun word that most realtors don't know. It's called a FURBO. Ooh, what's that For one? rental by owner. Yeah. For rent by owner. Uh, um, and FURBY is a weird fucking toy that, you, <laughs> that will never die. So that's cool. Um, so <laughs> you've got for sale by owners. You've got uh, expired start to come back uh -huh. because homes don't sell as quick or as easily or, or they don't get that uh, you know, insane price that a seller was looking for. So you have that opportunity. Um, you potentially have some opportunities with distressed sales to where people can't afford that home that they bought anymore um, and they need to get out of it. So there's, it starts out initially where you start to see foreclosures tick up. Um, and you know, depending on what state you're in, it's all different processes. Here in California, there's something called a notice of default, which is the first publicly recorded notice that goes out when somebody's in default, typically when they're about three months late. Well, if you start to see notices of default increase in your area or whatever the equivalent is in your area, well, now there's gonna start to create some short sale opportunities. So you might wanna start educating yourself on that. Do I think you're gonna see any short sales anytime soon? No. Do I think it's a bad idea to get educated on short sales now? No, I think it's a very, very good idea to at least be educated and know how that process works. So at a bare minimum, understand the foreclosure process in your state, understand what is that initial public notice so that you can start tracking the data on that. And then the third part of that would be to understand what is a short sale so that you can prepare for that. Because I remember the first time I got a short sale and this guy was like, hey, my I need to sell my place, but it's only worth like 400 and I owe 600. What do I do? He's like, do you think the bank will let me sell it? I was like, no, dude, you're, you owe 600. <laughs> I thought the guy was high. I was like, what are you, no, <laughs> you don't have enough money to pay them up. Do you have 200 grand? Lo and behold, that was my first short sale. Um, I didn't even know what the hell it was. So I wish I would have known because I look like an idiot. Um, and none of us want to look like an idiot. So educate yourself on the, the basic short sale process. And then what you'll start to see is short sales uh, creep back into the market, then what follows that is foreclosures. And so now having relationships with the banks who foreclose on the homes and ultimately assign agents to help them uh, liquidate those homes, that's a good place to be. So that's another area to uh, pay attention to. But again, I think we're a long ways out from that. I mean, here in California, that process start to finish is over 200 days um, from the day somebody stops paying. So it's there's a long way for that. So Initially, you just want to start looking for notices of default, at least in California, that's what it's going to be called. If we start to see that tick up, the next thing would be short sales would tick up and then ultimately foreclosures would tick up. So pay attention to that stuff as well. And so, yeah, looking at that, that information comes out, what, monthly? I believe so, yeah. 
So just kind of keeping a running tally and saying, yeah, there's going to be ebbs and flows again. Right. But once you start seeing we'll them for trends. It, yeah. Cool. Um, last part here is, and you kind of alluded to it, but when that happens, how do you position yourself to, to come out better than you were versus leaving the business? So the good thing is when you have a correction in the market, you have a lot of people get out of the business. Yeah. So that that's the really, really good part is you see a lot of people exit the business. Unless when, you're one of those people who have to exit. <laughs> yeah, oh, so. that's fine. You can leave. <laughs> uh, you're, you're welcome to get out of the business. Well, how we'll, do we prevent that? <laughs> we'll take all your business as you exit the business. How do we prevent that from happening? You have to be nimble. So okay. again, the, the things that I just mentioned, staying on top of the trends, controlling the narrative with your clients, understanding the foreclosure process, tracking the defaults, um, understanding short sale, you know, what a short sale is and, and how to do one and positioning yourself, you know, to win with the banks should those opportunities arise. Um, also being up on your for sale by owner skills, being up on your expired skills, I think are, those would be all the, the pieces of advice of what somebody should be doing. Now, one thing that I just thought about, say you want to leave the business, you want to go do something else. Um, it would probably be a good idea to maintain your real estate license and then refer business out. Is that right? Yeah. Now, I've also heard about people buying books of business. I would, yeah, if you want to sell your book of business, call me. Okay. I'll buy it. Easy. Okay. Yeah. That's easy. Yeah. If you're in Southern California and you want to get out of the business, you should seriously call me. We'll okay. work something out. Um, Okay, well, if you're not in Southern California, call Kyle and he'll, he'll I'll find somebody in your market. Yeah, if you if you <laughs> want to get out of the business, I mean, no, in all honesty, though, right? It's a good market. There's a lot of people. I, I'm i paying attention. There's I've got feelers working. Um, and there's a lot of people in a good market. It's fun. It's, it's easier. It's never easy. It's easier in a, mm -hmm. a good market like this, at least if you work with a lot of sellers, which most veteran agents tend to work with more sellers and buyers because you worked with a lot of buyers when you first got in the business. Those buyers all become sellers the longer you've been in the business. There's a lot of people who are like, when they see a market shift, they're just like, hell no, I'm not doing this again. Mm -hmm. I'm done. And so if you could be there to provide them with a nice transition plan so they can go and enjoy the fruits of the labor that all the work they've put in for the years um, they've been in the business, it could be a win-win for both. So what I hear you saying from that is another way to kind of position yourself is to um, connect with other real estate agents um, that are likely looking to make a change in the next five years. Maybe that's retiring. Maybe that's moving out of state. Maybe that's... You know, the, and easy ways to find out if they're looking to move out of state is if they're super political one way or another, uh, you might say, hey, they probably don't want to stay in California too long. Um, so, so that or even uh, connecting with agents that are fairly new into the business, maybe even a couple years in, and they want to flip to mortgage or hairdressing or whatever it is, um, that book of business is, still has potential value. Yeah, you're just going to structure the deal differently, yep. but yeah, there's yep. always value. I mean, cool. that's that's the most valuable asset you have in a real estate business is your database. So there cool. you go. I like it. Cool. Well, hopefully we added a lot of value for you. We're going to dive into something called our whistle widget of the week is something that saves us time, makes us more money or helps us have more fun. Before we do, if you're enjoying the show today, if we're adding some value for you, giving you some actionable uh, tips to implement in your business. We'd really appreciate it. if you're watching on YouTube, hit that thumbs up button. Also hit the subscribe button and little bell so you get notified of future episodes of the show. And if you're listening on a podcast platform, make sure to hook us up with a review on there. 
Uh, if you have a question you want to have us answer on a future episode of the show, you can always go to thewhistleway.com. Ask questions, subscribe to our podcast, YouTube channel, email newsletter, join our Facebook group, and join our media mayor mastermind community so you can go out there and crush it in real estate and learn everything Brian and I have learned in the last seven years of creating videos together um, and get that for under a thousand bucks. Yep. All right. What's your widget, Brian? So my widget is something that I got um, this last week that I'm really excited about. Um, and it will help me keep track of things that are important to me. Um, it is an Apple AirTag. And they're basically little, they look like a, about the size of a quarter. And what you can do is you can place them in a backpack, a camera bag. Um, probably wouldn't want to put it in your car. I don't think you need to, you're not going to lose your car. But you can place them around in, in different things, usually like backpack, purse, um, and it will help you find lost items. Uh, so, for example, uh, I was just testing it out. You can uh, ping it. It'll make a little noise. Or you can bring it up on your phone, and it'll show you how far away it is in what direction. So these are not to be used as human tra trafficking devices. I did a lot of research on that. That being said, uh, I don't think it's illegal to place one on your kid to make sure they don't get lost at the zoo or the summer concert or at Disneyland. So, uh, but that's what I have. Apple AirTags, really cool, really easy to use. Um, but again, when doing my research, they're not to be used as a stalking device. Apple went in and put some uh, safeguards in place to prevent that. So yeah, Apple AirTag. Cool. Uh, the one that I've got I'm using this week and it is in the scenario where you're traveling somewhere where you're going to need to drive around a little bit, where Ubering to or from a hotel room is not going to cut it, you actually need to cruise around. So I'm flying up to Sacramento and then driving down to Napa and actually need a car because Ubers are absurdly expensive right now, thanks to COVID and the, uh, the shortage of drivers. So it's crazy expensive right now to Uber anywhere. I just went to the airport last week and it was like $60 where it used to be like 25, 30 bucks. So if you don't want to deal with that and you need, you want your own car, you could go rent a car, um, but that's a horrible experience. Like you've got to stand in this long line and then you get there and you got, there's like all kinds of paperwork, which makes no sense because you already did stuff online. Um, so then you got to sit there and then they try to like give you the Geo Metro when you like reserved a Escalade and you're like, what's going on? And you got to argue over cars for 20 years. Yeah. You got to argue car. <laughs> over cars and everything. It's just crazy. So there is a service that is like an Airbnb, but for cars it's called Turo T U R O and pretty cool. We rented like a convertible BMW to go cruise around wine country, uh, this weekend. And it was very, very reasonably priced and the person will meet us at the airport. So we just give them a call and they, come and one person is driving the car and they have a friend that follows them and they're like, here's your car, give you the keys and you bounce and they meet you at the airport when you're done and very, very quick and easy experience and you not stuck in a Geo Metro. It's the early days of Airbnb um, where people are like, no, that's crazy. No one will ever do that. Um, but before it gets stupid expensive like Airbnb now. Yep. Cool. So Taro. Awesome. Well, I really appreciate you tuning in to this episode of the Whistle Way podcast. See you next week. Bye, guys.